Welcome to episode 54 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. God, I feel old. We're coming up to the end of December. Um, it's probably the last time I'm ever recording a podcast for the rest of the year, but it's going to be a good one. And it's, it's one that's quite refreshing for me and for the guys at Friday Night Counter-Attack because we finally have a footballer on the podcast and we have um, a woman's footballer at that. She's someone who's played in San Marino. She's graduated from Loughborough University. And so she's someone who's actually started her own mental health page as well. So without further... What's it? Without with with great it's, ah get it tongue tied today. Without further ado, that's the term I was going to do. I was like, when I get my first footballer on, I'll give them a grand entrance and everything like that. But yeah, she she plays for Blackburn Rover Ladies. Her name is Millie. I, I'm going to try not to butcher your surname, but is it Chandarana? Yeah, perfect. Wow, Millie Chandarana. Thank you for joining Friday Night Counter Attack for episode 54 of our podcast. How are you doing? hopefully it's been a good year for you so far but um let's get into it how are you doing so far yeah thank you for letting me do this um great to be here and uh yeah thank you let's get started let's get started and again we didn't color coordinate for people watching we actually have black hoodies on together so it's, it's quite good that we uh, great minds think alike which is pretty good as well so um let's get let's start into the basics Millie I just want to know a bit more about how you got involved in in football in the first place what it's like being a woman's footballer in this day and age and um what can we kind of expect from you in the future because me personally over the last probably year or so I'd say I'd, I'd be watching more women's football um than ever before because of like lockdown and because it's more accessible and television as, as well so I just wanted to know a bit more about um how you how your start in football has kind of gone really um if that's okay yeah, so um, I started when I was around seven or eight, so quite a good few years ago now. And I started through school. I've always said like I was quite lucky because my school offered it in PE and things like that. And then they did have a boys team. My primary school had a boys team, mm. which it was a boys team. Girls didn't play on it. Um, a little story. We trialed for it. There was three three girls that trialed for it, and um, they didn't. We didn't get on. I kicked the ball at the other teams at our team's goal and everything like that. Like I was just running around and we didn't get on through the trial, but they said, Oh, there's a girls team down the road. And it was literally down the road mm. um, called Curzon Ashton. Oh my God. So, seriously. Curzon Ashton. Yeah. 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 Nah, yeah, I, so that's I, where I, I started at, out. At university, I train at Curzon Ashton as well. So I coach at Curzon Ashton as well. That's mad. No that's, that's such a long journey for me as well from where I'm living, but Curzon Ashton, I'm there every Friday. I'm just there like really? coaching yeah I'm coaching um like doing coaching sessions at university so I'm just there like in it's like really cold and bitter on some days as well and I've got the yeah, yeah, pitches yeah. now and and everything like that so not too far then it's not too That's far mad, yeah so literally that was where, that was where I started out with football and it mm. was great that was my club and I, yeah I'm from around there and um yeah, it was really lucky. They put on girls, like there was a girls team and we went to all these tournaments and everything. So I was lucky in that sense that I actually grew up playing with girls the year later they let us into that boys team because we were good enough do you know what I mean probably better than the boys <laughs> at that point <laughs> you needed to show them didn't you, you need to show them yeah, like you know yeah. what we, we've done our hard work and now we're better than you lot so you have to put on it's now a mixed team and the boys know, are getting embarrassed yeah. nah good on, you, good on you but I think like now there's a lot of that going on across the country like I said I was lucky at that point but now there's so many more teams so there's thousands of girls at play in the UK right now and it's great to see like the height that the women's game has got to now it's incredible like I didn't even imagine it when I was younger when I was seven or eight I didn't imagine it would be like this but it is 
it just shows you how much it's growing. It's, yeah, it's really good. Now, it's always positive to see that as well, because there's some uh, in some countries it's just considered a women's sport, like in the USA and in Canada, it's not really considered a main sport. And in England, like you said before, like with me, I'm probably couple years older than you I'd, I'd imagine off the cuff um just by the white hair on my head compared to how you're looking <laughs> but basically um even with us it'd be like the, there'll be a girls team in like my in my primary school but then when I went to a boys school it'd just be like an all boys team which is obvious but it's just the fact that when you're seeing sport the way that it is now it's actually so nice and I think it's in the way that it's being um, advertised in the media as well especially so not just in terms of like Sky Sports and BBC showing games and the World Cup and everything. Because for me, that World Cup in 2019 in Canada, I think, mm-hmm. um, when England got to the semi-finals or the final and they lost to the USA, that was where it kind of peaked for me in terms of uh, women's football. Because they did really well at the London Olympics, uh, the Great Britain team. But it's just the fact that ever since then, there's been such an urge to get women into football and girls into football as, as like a dominant sport. And, and for me, that's quite that's quite serious and I'm, I'm quite happy that it's happening as well because like it's just when you when you see this kind of thing happening you're just there like there's no more barriers anymore there's no more stigmas against girls playing football and that must be yeah. must feel really good for you as a player coming through um at Blackburn Rovers yeah no it does it does um but like hopefully like there won't be need for all them things in the future do you know what I mean it'll just be normal yeah. like that's that's what we hope for anyway because it should be like that anyway for me, I don't see any reason why there should be any difference. Like, obviously, I understand about the audiences and that, but the way that we are treated should be similar. Like, no, I, I agree one hundred percent. And for me, because I'm a I'm a big cricket fan as well and a big rugby fan. And um, in the cricket, there's a cricket tournament last summer called the Hundred, where basically <laughs> um, it'd be like the best players in the country with a couple of overseas players but it was for men and women. And what they did, which I thought was quite genius to get more kids involved in sport is when there'd be a game, uh, for example, from someone from London and someone from Manchester, they'd have the women's team at the same time or playing on the same day as the men's team. So girls come into the game with their dads or their parents or whatever. They'd be like, oh, wow, I can play cricket as well. So I feel like, you know, with the women's Premier League at the moment, you know how you have like a couple games at like, the Emirates for Arsenal, but they've got their own home and stuff like that. I think that would be quite beneficial as well. In the near future, you could have somewhere like, even for Blackburn Rovers to probably play with their women's team at, let's say, 11 till uh, 1 or 2 or whatever, and then give an hour break and then they play at 3 o'clock, their normal game. That would bring more audiences and it would make it more um, acceptable and normal in society because you still get these old people that are like, oh, women's football isn't as good the standard isn't as good but I disagree completely for me coaching at the moment I see the quality and I think it's there to just continue to grow what do you yeah, think about that? no I agree um yeah I think I mean to be honest we've all got our own like professional setup now do you know what I mean and it's coming through the the team's not even in the first league like it's coming through to the second league it's even coming through to the third league of England like if you think the third league of England women's league of England like the level is so much higher I used to play there three years ago or so and the level is so much higher to what it was in three years like it's grown that much and I think that we've all got our own like setup I guess I mean yeah it's a great idea to put it before the men's because the men's has got so much exposure 
but also like it's growing in itself as well. Like for example, the, the FA Cup final again, uh, Chelsea and Arsenal at yeah. Wembley. I mean, things like that, it was packed the stadium. Do you know what I mean? It just shows you the exposure. But hopefully, yeah, like you said, it can it can go down through the ranks and even like, I don't know, maybe at Blackburn, we can play alongside the men. Not alongside, but you know what I mean. Yeah, just, just, just <laughs> earlier as well. The, ma- yeah. the main event, basically, the main event before Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, yeah, men's yeah. Team play, which is good. No, um, and just before we move on to the next topic, I just wanted to know how your kind of season is going currently at Blackburn Rovers and how everything's going. And for our listeners that don't know, what kind of player are you and um, how how is it going so far? Yeah, uh, no, it's good. So I'm a midfielder right now. I'm, I have spent a lot of years playing at centre-back. Okay. Uh, but for the last three years, I've played in midfield. Um, the season's good. We should be climbing the table. Um, yeah. We are, we're good enough. We're a good team, actually. We all get along and that's the main thing. That's the main part of the team. Like that togetherness, I guess. And that's what, honestly, that's what gets you through. Yeah, you play like you've got to play well. But if you don't have that team-like inclusion, I mean, that's half the battle. So we've got that. Um, yeah, and hopefully we can get some more points in this next half of the season and start climbing the table. Yeah, hopefully that would be pretty good to go for as well because you're in Division 3 and you've got Division 2 and then Division... Uh, the, the women's. No, we're division. in Division 2. We're in the Championship. So we play... So Liverpool's the top of our league at the minute. We've got Goro, we've got Crystal Palace, we've mm. got all these teams. And it's honestly, it's a great standard. Like coming back from Italy is completely different football. Like the two are completely different. And I see that now. Yeah. And here, I'm really enjoying it because it's, you can see how like, it's all about football. It's all about the tactics. Do you know what I mean? Like it's drilled into you. Every session is an education, basically, and I love that. Do you know what I mean? It's not just go out and give it your all and do what you can. It's like how to do that. And like, yeah, I love it. Working smart, not hard. That's how, that's how yeah, it is in yeah. football these days, which is good. No, exactly. What kind of midfielder are you then? Are you someone like a Tony Cruz, a Kevin De Bruyne, someone like a, a Casemiro maybe? How, how would you describe yourself, Millie? Well, um, I love Kevin De Bruyne and... Uh, if I can be anything like him later but, on in my career, then <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but do you play like him is what I'm trying to get at. Like, are you more of an attacking midfielder now after being a centre-back? Would you kind of hold the midfield like a defensive midfielder or a bit of everything in the middle? Yeah, a bit of everything at the minute. It depends. Like um, like in San Marino, we I used to play more defensively. Okay. Um, but I would switch. Like sometimes I would play as a number 10. Oh really? But then, yeah, but then sometimes I'd play as a number four. It just depended on the game, really, and what we were looking for. Um, I remember my first year in Italy, I was an attacking midfielder, so I was yeah. higher up the pitch. Um, now I play number eight, so I kind of do the box-to-box thing. I kind of like both. Um, but like you said, being a centre-back, I feel like I understand the defensive side well. Like it's always a good foundation as well when you when you start as a centre back or you start as a as a defender and you move forward because you know what to expect and not, how not to lose a ball when you're moving forward as an attacking player and you can tell your midfielders what you can and can't do but now you're a midfielder you know what to expect now um from yeah. the centre backs as well which is beneficial in many yeah, ways. yeah yeah i think the transition was difficult for me from defence to midfield but like like i, I love playing the midfield now 
but like you got to go from I don't know you got to go from 180 to, to like 360 view do you know what I mean things like that like head on a swivel mini head on a swivel yeah, that's, yeah. that's what that's what you need in the midfield that's that's definitely been learning that's 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 literally like what I'm teaching people at the moment. Like you just got to keep your head on a swivel. It's called a cheat code. You basically just making sure you're looking and scanning all the time. Yeah, Frank Lampard yeah. was really good at that. Xavi was really good at that. Tony Cruz is very good at that. Really, really big on Tony Cruz at the moment. Really, I've been watching him a lot this this last eighteen months, and I, yes. I liked I liked him before, but I loved him even more. So see, it's mm-hmm. even better just to see him score yesterday in the Champions League, which is good. Um, but I just wanted to know what kind of what's your daily routine kind of like as as a footballer in the second division in in women's football? Like, is it more full time? Is it more part time? Is it a bit of both? Are you expected to be more available for Blackburn, or is there a bit of a mixture um, in your life at the moment? Um. Well, I mean, I play football, and that for me, that's number one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like Blackburn is number one at the minute. Like. Um, I do have another job. I work in the gym and I, I've started my own business, kind of, mm-hmm. offering coaching. Because um, that's also what I like to do. And, yeah, so we train almost every day, but okay. also I work as well. So I kind of yeah. like both. I kind of like to balance both because it's what I love to do. So I'm basically doing what I want to do every day. No, that's good to hear. And it's good that you've got good variety as well, because especially from someone who started football at such a young age, like six or seven, I think you mentioned earlier, it's good that you didn't fall out of love with the game because that happens mm-hmm. a lot with footballers and people can get distracted elsewhere. It's just, it just goes to show the commitment and the desire that you continue to uh, play football. And kudos to you, full credit to yourself, Millie. Um, yeah, no, I'll tell you something. It's a journey, you know. It's a journey. I am right here now. Hmm because of that journey like when you say fell out of love with football I wouldn't say so so much but like in the past things have happened where maybe I could have gone higher at that point maybe I could have gone somewhere else you know what I mean but I didn't and I followed a different path and then but now I'm here like it just depends on your journey do you know what I mean it's not one straight it's not one straight road to getting somewhere do you know what I mean things can happen all the time one year you feel like on top of the world next year you're somewhere different and you didn't think you should have been there do you know what I mean it 100% no I, I can agree with you on that especially after the the year we've had with the pandemic and lockdown and everything and all of yeah, that okay. changed completely but it's just the fact that there's always like it's, the way I'm getting at it, it's not 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 getting at you it's just the fact that because when I'm kind of learning about football in a different light now for me being a football scout and to see players that kind of not go off the road but they just lose focus because football becomes more of a, what's the term, a chore than actually a love or a passion. And they're yes. at the ages of 14, 15, 16, because they've been in um, high pressure situations since the age of like 10 or 11 or in academy since then. And I'm just there yeah. thinking, it's really sad seeing that. And it's really sad seeing how, um, like for me, I always just play football for fun. I never took it any further or any seriously than I needed to, which is perfectly fine. But for me, it's just the fact that it kind of, it's kind of what I'm, we're going to be talking about now in a way. It's just the fact of it kind of ruins their mental health in a way because you want to have a structure and a routine, but you also want to enjoy the game because that's, at the end of the day, what you want to do. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on the podcast um, because of how we see in footballers nowadays, there's so much regarding mental health and everything like that. And this is where I wanted you to kind of just kind of, you can promote it and talk about your, your new business that you're starting up. So 
Um, the Mad Mentorin, was it called? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for it, Millie. Tell us all about that. Um, so it was just a little idea when I did come back. Um, and I've always wanted to kind of, don't know, I've always wanted to kind of like give something back what I'm like passionate about, I guess. Yeah. And I've done kind of athletic training, things like that all my life. Um, so that's why I started to work in this gym. Um, and I do offer that but on the other side I wanted I've really started to kind of focus on the mental side of it um, after being in Italy as well particularly I kind of really got into it because I found like it's so important especially when you're alone in a different country and can't speak the language like it's and you've got to play football and learn how to play with people it was one of the most difficult things and I think that I kind of trained my mind to deal with it and I got better and better and better at it and like during the second year like for example I learned how to speak Italian I learned how to understand it and it made me integrate more all because of work working on my mind basically so if I can teach help and teach other people to do this like well yeah why not do you know what I mean makes things a lot easier as well how long were you in Italy for I was there for two years Ah, okay so that was kind of it, really, kind of just kind of dealing with what a normal, um, it's not really a normal job, is it, when you're going out to play football in a different country, because you're then thinking about like the languages, you're thinking about all the little things as well, like going to a local supermarket and exactly. to, or go to a restaurant and trying to order things. And what kind of, what kind of um, area was it in Italy? Was it a place like Milan or Rome where they've got English speakers or was it somewhere further away? No, so the first year it was um, a place called Udine, which is close to Slovenia but northern okay. Italy in a small 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 town I think yeah. in our village there was like 100 people oh, wow. so barely anyone spoke English and it was diff- there was five of us there was five of us that were foreign so it was mm. great like it was amazing to have them five but still like like you said like going to the supermarket going out to restaurants like I was nervous, do you know what I mean? And I think I look back on it now and I think, what were you nervous for? Like, <laughs> Just having just Google because... Translate downloaded on your phone just in case. Honestly, all, just in case. It was literally all the time. Like, <laughs> it was all the time. But, I mean, after dealing with it and after, like, coping with it and, like, seeing where I was back then to where I am now, like, even if I went to a different country, I don't know, that was different to Italian, I would deal with that situation much much better do you know what I mean mm. no how would you deal with it before then like if you were to go on holiday or somewhere to somewhere where they didn't speak English would it just be like everyone would speak English like where when we went on just... holiday yeah mm. yeah it like, might just I remember... be, it might... sorry it might just be me but no carry on you were saying no it's, it's true though like it was just me like my family speaks another language as well okay. like my dad speaks another language but I can't which language um, does he speak? Gujarati. Seriously? Is, is yeah, he Gujarati? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm Gujarati as well, so that's quite cool. No though. way. Yeah, so like my, my parents, uh, well, they're born in England, but they, they speak Gujarati, and we just keep teasing them. Like me and my siblings just keep teasing them, saying, you never taught us Gujarati. All of our cousins me too. Speak, Yeah, all of our cousins can speak Gujarati, but you didn't teach us. Um, me too. But when we, when we went to India a couple of years ago, they could all speak <laughs> it, and I'm just there like, like, what is this? Like, this right. Is crazy. But, uh, sorry, sorry, you were saying. Um, so your, your parents, your dad speaks another language and you yeah, can't. Yeah, 
yeah yeah so my grandma does but that's kind of normal now do you know what mm. I mean I've grown up with it that's normal just have but to like, deal with it in a different way yeah 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 going to a completely different p- country with different people like I went to the UAE for example and they all spoke Arabic but they spoke English as well but yeah. even when they were speaking Arabic I was thinking oh what are they saying do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah definitely definitely it's, it's like now I'd, now I'd just go and try it like it's all about the flight over there. You just download Google Translate and get the phrases out or use... Because it's, it's like with me, whenever I'll go on holiday, like nine times out of ten, like you said, there'll be English speakers around. But if you go to somewhere like... Like for me, when I went to Japan once upon a time, didn't rely on anyone to speak English, but I just had Google Translate. And by the end of it, I was speaking more Japanese and English. And oh, really? by, the time, by the time I came back, I'm just there like, I've forgotten everything, but it worked for the, for the few weeks that I was there. Yeah, yeah it's cool, that. It's, it's really it's really nice and it's just the fact that it is something that I've always wanted to know about footballers that you know how so many footballers come over to England and then English people expect them to learn the language like when David De Gea came over to uh, Man United Rio Ferdinand was like oh we're not going to learn to speak Spanish because he needs to learn how to speak English and communicate with the rest of his team it must yeah, exactly. have been like that for you but the other way around yeah. like, they weren't trying to learn English your your Italian teammates you had to learn Italian to then develop an understanding with them as well so I yeah, can get, I, mean, I can get that from the other side of the sword now. I mean, they tried a little bit, mm. but like it was hard, do you know what I mean? But honestly, I, at that point, I wanted to learn Italian because I thought I should. Do you know what I mean? You, you should when you're living there. Yeah, part sure. of the culture and, and the lifestyle, really. Question yeah. is, though, Millie, do you still remember Italian? Uh, not to speak it. Yeah, so that, that, ha- that, hap- that happens with me as well. Literally, when you go, you're like, oh, yeah, I love the language. I'll remember it forever. Two weeks later, now nah, I'm done literally it's i can i can understand it so when someone speaks i can understand it more oh, or less good. still yeah mm. but to speak it it takes me like 10 minutes to say one sentence <laughs> Nah, that's that's still better than me as well whenever i'm trying to learn like even with gujarati i'm just there like i'll understand it but i won't attempt it that's too hard <laughs> I, i'll just i'll just know like when someone's swearing at me in gujarati i'm like yep i've done something wrong and there's something that's like very me now as well um but no sorry getting back on topic now um just more about the mad mentor really so where where do we hope to take this further Millie where do you where do you expect to take this in let's say a year's time do you reckon we can get further out in the women's game do you reckon we can do more in terms of um interactions with with players coming up as well through like academies and through um women's soccer schools that are going on as well how, how do we see this going Millie yeah it's a good question actually I've, I've thought about it a lot um because it's in its initial stages at the minute I don't really have a vision for the next five years because it's so broad, the topic. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I'm interested in everyone at the minute. Um, obviously athletes, but I'm interested in everyone. Someone who kind of wants to, it sounds cliche, but who wants to change themselves. Do you know what I mean? Because I think it's so important that so many people disregard the mind. And if I can just get people to... I don't know, just regard it, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like... 100%. No, I, I can agree with you on that. It's like, basically, Friday Night Counterattack started up because, uh, well, put it bluntly, like, basically, I was going through a bad time at the time of speaking. So I just, um, I was out of a job due to COVID. Um, there were a few uh, bereavements in my family and friend circles. So I, I was suffering quite a bit as well. There are people who are then saying, who are then telling me, they're telling me, Ah, oh, Hamza, you shouldn't feel upset about yourself. This is life. Move on. 
you shouldn't complain about your problems to other people. They, they have their own problems, that kind of thing. So I was like, you know what? If people don't want to listen to me, people who I consider to be friends or close people, and they're like, oh, we don't want to listen to you, I'll, I'll make a platform for myself to be able to kind of, it's like a, a weekly therapy thing for me, like 50 mm-hmm. more episodes in there and they're pretty good. And the one common topic that I talk about with my friends and the co-hosts that we've got on here was football and mental health. So we'd always be talking about football and mental health. And it's something that um, the rest of the guys, I told them that like, whenever you just need to come on for a chat or you want to talk about things and um, see, see a, a, fam- a familiar face, I'll be here every week just recording an episode and it'll be good. And uh, they, they all uh, pitched in, they all joined in couple of friends and family joined in later on down the line and uh for me personally it's just been one of those things where I'm just there thinking if I if I didn't have this kind of podcast especially to like not just vent my feelings but to learn from different people just like with yourself Millie mm-hmm. you don't grow and you're kind of stuck in in the mud in the way so that's kind of what has benefited me so hopefully you can kind of take a thing or two from from my journey in a way that you could take over to mad mentor and develop yeah, yeah, it further yeah 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 which should be pretty good um but no that's, that seems pretty good in terms of how it started off so far and um like you said there's such a broad um there's a broad avenue to go down so there's so much to kind of look forward to as well which is good um but yeah just to finish off on the mental health topic we did put a, a poll out as we do on our on our weekends um basically just regarding if you could name one thing football clubs could do to improve the mental health aspect for players what could it be for yourself, Millie? So if you could say, for example, not, not just uh, Blackburn Rovers, but in general, what could you see being different um, going down the line? Um, I, I want to know your answer as well afterwards. Yeah, I've, I've got like seven, so I'm, I'm all ears. Okay. Um, well, at the minute, we do something, we do quite a lot of work on this kind of stuff, but it's more like um for the team so it's more like what we can do as individuals for the team yeah and kind of like also what the team can do for us as individuals and we all sit down every week and go through our different values um yeah we kind of like have a a space where we can talk about like what we value as a team what we value as individuals and like behaviors that we expect like and it all comes together so we all agree on certain behaviors and um like because it's come from all of us it kind of helps us as a team do you know what i mean it kind of doesn't leave anyone out kind of being inclusive with everyone yeah that's good to hear because i i I said something similar as well it's basically just taking it's more or less just taking regular breaks away in terms of from football. So, for example, if you have a training session every day of the week, maybe one of the sessions isn't particularly hard on the physical aspect, but it's more on the mental aspect, really. So just like you said, valuing what other people value and kind of treating it with a lot more love and attention. Because at the end of the day, um, the brain is somewhere where only only you know what you're kind of thinking and, and you, you're in control of, which is great. But other aspects and other... Uh, influences can ruin it in a, in a bad way and in a different way as well so it's it's like that uh, what was it Jesse Lingard wanted to take a break away from football a couple of years ago because he was falling out of love with the game he wasn't enjoying the fact that um, he wasn't playing as much but it's just the fact that he could he didn't know what he could do with his mind so he had to go out and seek a sports psychologist as well and I'm not saying that every football club or grassroots club or national league club will have that opportunity to get a sports psychologist in it's just the fact that it needs to be tended to in the right way but it should be like you know how 
football clubs have like safeguarding um, officers in their clubs. Mm-hmm. There should be like a mental health um, officer in the club as well. So they can actually take out time if people are worried about their performances on the pitch, if people are worried about things at home, but they don't know who to open up to. Someone who's independent from the club. So they don't have to um, go around talking to coaches and managers about this, that and the other and spreading a conversation around. I think that would be beneficial personally. And I think that would be really good for, especially someone, um, not saying this happened to you, but someone in your situation who moved to another country who's dealing with the new situation of dealing with living with somewhere new, um, trying out different things, learning a different language, etc. I think it would be really beneficial to people. Um, that's personally how I would do it if, if, yeah. I, if I had the option. I agree. I think maybe that's where, like, going back, thinking about it, that's my, maybe where my kind of views on my business lie as well. Like, if I could be, if I could offer that as, like, an external, like, thing, I guess, yeah. um, for people just to look at, even if it's just looking at my Instagram or something like that to help them so they yeah. can process it, process it themselves. Because also I think that, especially in this country, also probably in Italy when I was there, so probably everywhere, kind of like the term mental health still has the same similar connotations to what it did have. Do you know what I mean? Like people don't feel comfortable going speaking to someone because they think it's not the right thing to do. And obviously me and you understand that it is the right thing to do. There's nothing wrong with it. It's normal. But... I think that in the football world, people will still have those connotations. And I think to have a platform where they can do it on their own, do you know what I mean? Without confrontation with another person, not confrontation, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Talking to another person without that, if they could have something that they can do on their own, maybe that could be beneficial as well. Like I said, like looking through the Instagram, looking through different videos, seeing what different tips people have. and Do you know what I mean? Hundred percent, and it's just like it's just like with you and I as well. It's like with me in my situation again, not being involved in football at the time like I am now. It's just the fact that I went the opposite way. So I went out and I told people like I am struggling, and I've yeah. never struggled like this before. And some people accepted it, some people didn't. But it's just the fact that with with your the way that you're looking at doing it, especially with the Mad Mentor Instagram page that you set up as well, um, that's something where people don't have to put themselves in that situation if they're not brave enough to come out and say I'm struggling mentally this has happened that has happened they can just yeah, look at yeah. they can look at not fail safes but like frequent frequent ways of kind of um, developing themselves to get over it and to move forward and to um, just suppress the demons really in a way and then they can find that next step after that and then move forward and then surpass everything properly yeah yeah I guess it's just about what the individual feels comfortable with we can't really say as a collective like we can say all these values as a collective mm. but it depends on the individual which will be so different to the next individual do you know what I mean so it's no linear path to moving forward exactly no exactly um and also quite a lot of work I do is based in the future as well yeah Um, so if we if like there could be a spin on that to kind of I don't know kind of what I'm interested in is performance enhancement mainly so if there's a spin on that in terms of anything it could be football it could be sport but even life like life is your performance you know what I mean like if you could enhance that and see it in like that kind of spin do you know what I mean getting people to see that kind of side to it it's it's more yeah sorry it's more like um it's it's, how can I explain it it's like you know I'm trying to think of a metaphor 
But it's basically the kind of way of when you're moving forward, you don't want to then stop. And then you don't want to then, because when, when you stop in your mental health on your, your road to recovery in a way, you stop and then you feel like you've gone five, six, seven steps back. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a situation like that or anyone listening has been like that, but it felt like that for me. And it felt like two, three days that, that it was. But that, those two, three day, days felt like a lifetime. And I'm just there like literally, it's not, it's not the best thing, but you kind of feel, what's the term? You feel burnt out, you feel lethargic and you just don't, yeah, yeah. don't want to do it. So it's just the fact that with what you were saying just there, having those small little baby steps and moving forward, because again, there's no linear way of doing this would benefit so many people and it would work in so many different ways to so many people who have suffered differently from mental health which is which is why what I think is quite fascinating I think it's really yeah. it's a really good way to move forward yeah no I agree and I think also it comes down a lot of it comes down to like self-awareness as well like the fact that people are like aware of how they're feeling that's that's half the battle do you know what I mean yeah definitely like, that's that's the main part of it You've got to accept where you are and you have to rather look at rather moving forward or looking at seeking help and then moving forward. But it's just the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. some people have got the strength to do it within them and some people don't have it. And that's okay. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. Some people might not know how to do it. So that's where yeah. you come in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Performance enhancement right there. Nice little plug <laughs> as well. Um, but no, um, we've gone through the main mental health topics and, and the women's topics as well, and the mad mental. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the near future with that. To end the podcast, we'll keep it on something quite lighthearted. So again, just keeping it to football. Who do you support, Millie? And why do you support them? Um, how's it going for you as a certain fan of that club? Uh, it's great at the minute. <laughs> I support City. And, oh, God. Um... I should, have done my, I should have done my research before getting you on. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, now, yeah. I know what, now I know why you like the Kevin De Bruyne comparison so much. Yeah, that's why, you, that's, that's why your face lit up. Sorry, so, so how's it going so far as a Man City fan for yourself? Yeah, I'm like, good, I guess. I mean, I've supported City since I was younger. Uh, mm. My dad is a massive fan, so he knows everything. Okay. He knows everything. My other side of the family were United fans, so there was always that rivalry between us like yep. <laughs> always um yeah I supported him since I was little and that's about it really that's all pretty good because it kind of leads off into our into our little cliche topic that we have on Friday Night Counterattack where whenever we get a guest on we'll always get them to do a six aside of some kind because the, the six of us on Friday Night Counterattack play six aside football every Friday or we did before we all went into lockdown and whatever which is pretty good um, but no, Millie, tell us the six aside. This is this is my six aside for you. Tell us the six aside that you wish you could have played with for players that have retired. So players in the past that have retired, but who do you wish you could have played with? You can put yourself in a team as well. So you could be the seventh person. <laughs> I've not retired yet. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You, you could rather be the coach or you could be that seventh player on the team. So how, how do you see yourself playing with these other people? Let's hear it. Oh, God, okay. Uh, so when I was younger, my first the first ever footballer I ever watched Ronaldinho okay I used to watch all of his videos um Pele Pele's in the team it has to be the greats doesn't it yeah they're all retired that's the whole point it has to be the retired players as well I'm just looking Uh, out I'm just looking out for like Richard Dunn or something like that or Vincent Company maybe um Nesta. 
ooh, Alessandro Nesta. Were you looking at him when you were in Italy as well? Do people kind of like how Nesta played the game as a centre-back as well? Yeah, I mean, they love football out there. Like, they, anyone who was in the national team, they love them. Like, mm. they are mental, those fans. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're obviously, they're all defensive as well. Like, defensive-minded. Do you know what I mean? Like, the yeah. I mean, we saw that in the Euros as well. So <laughs> PTSD right there for how Chiellini and Benucci defended against, yeah. against England's attack. How many is that? Three? Yeah, they've got three. Ronaldinho, Pele and Alessandro Nesta. He's got three more. Can we can we fast forward this into the future and say Messi? No, we can't. That's cheating. Yeah. We, we can't do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll do another podcast when he retires. And then you can add it on as well. You and then add, just for that, yeah. Just, just for, for that. that. Just for that. All right, I'll put... Um, did I say Zidane? You didn't say Zidane, so that's number put four. Put him in. Mm. Um, put Maradona in. Maradona. Are you having a goalkeeper? Or Should no I goalkeeper? have a goal- I mean, with all those people, do I need a goalkeeper? No, nah, you don't. Choice is yours. No, I'll go with a goalkeeper. Dida. Dida. Yeah. You've got that Brazilian influence on you, Millie. Oh, I like it. It was always on FIFA. <laughs> yeah, it's true. FIFA Street oh, as well. Yeah. Ronaldinho and Dida, yeah, Roberto yeah. Carlos, Ronaldo. Oh, God, yeah. That midfield as well. Zidane, then you've got Maradona, Pele, and then Maradinho up front. It's insane talent. Yeah, yeah. Where would you fit into that team? Would you be a midfielder with Zidane just scanning around? I'd be on the bench. <laughs> just like, just play. You'll win the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, but no, um, just saying the podcast, I just wanted to ask you... Um, what kind of not to not to make it sound like a job interview, um, but what else can we expect from you in the future, Millie? Do we expect an England call up soon? Do we expect um, Blackburn Rovers to be trying to keep hold of you just in case Man City want to sign you? What can we expect from you in the future, Millie? Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I'm not sure. I just Day go where it takes me. Yeah, I want to. Obviously, I want to do my best. I want to get to the highest point I can. Like. Mm. be the best I can um, hopefully I've not peaked yet uh, I'm not. 24 at the minute so who knows Okay, uh, we'll see but yeah hopefully I can just keep getting better and better and better I keep learning I am still learning I'm 24 but I'm still learning and hopefully I can have a long career touch wood touch wood but people don't actually realise nowadays it's not like FIFA when people get to 31 and 32 and they just feel like retiring like only you will know when you're going to retire. But the fact that even in women's football now, there's so many people going into playing their mid-30s and late-30s as well because yeah, they, peak at, they peak at like 31, 32. And it's such a good standard of uh, sports science and sports psychology as well. Like even Luka Modric said it yesterday. It's like, I feel like I'm in my mid-20s, let alone in my mid-30s because of how well I'm playing. And I don't look at the age. I look at the performances that I'm putting out. And it's really good yeah. to see that kind of mentality. And hopefully it's something that... Um, Blackburn Rovers ladies will be appreciating you for years to come and hopefully like I said an England call up in the future and I'll be like (laughs) that would would be brilliant would that (laughs) would that make you then the first woman of Indian descent to be in the national team Um, in the England team yeah I honestly I don't think that's we're gonna get that far but we can give it a good go. But we'll give it a good go. But I haven't seen like an Indian or like someone from Indian heritage in the England national team from both women and men's first team as well. So could, I think could you're right. 
cards? Could be selling other cards. I think you're right, but that's what I'm trying to push at the minute. The South Asian um, community, like the increased participation. Yeah. Like, that's something I'm really trying to push. So hopefully in the future, we can yeah. see if I, if, if, I'm, if I help that, then kind of give me credit for it, then yeah. <laughs> I feel like you stepping out on the pitch at a World Cup will help that a lot. It'll, it'll be like <laughs> our shining star in different ways as well. Wow, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be like loads of Indian parents being like, look, girls, you can play football. It's not going to be like bend it like Beckham. You know, people saying, oh, football is a waste of time and this, that. You'll ruin so many Asian parents' stigmas of football is a waste of time. But That's what we hope for. Even if it's not a World Cup, even if it's if, even if they just come and see us down at like the stadium, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if that's what, if that's what can happen, then... Yeah, I'm more than happy to break those. Because you did that on Sunday as well. You went to uh, an event. Uh, if you want to just tell the listeners a bit more about what happened there, because that looked quite fascinating as well. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so it was in London. It was, yeah, last Saturday. And it was just about, like, creating more awareness around the women's game. Yeah, but also, like, the South Asian community. Like, okay. increasing participation, even with males, even with boys. Um, but just... Tr- really trying to push it because we understand like there's not that many South Asian um, people I guess um, with ethnic backgrounds playing in the game and yeah just trying to increase that like when I was growing up that there was like one Mm. as well as me and I didn't really think of it at the time but now looking back I think like the thousands of people that play football and we're only a small part of it. Like, we need to like do something about it. We definitely need to. It needs to be done, and that's kind of like with me. Um, so that's what that's literally what why I got into football a bit more. So being like a more of a football scout and a football coach as well, developing not just the South Asian community, but just kind of getting rid of that stigma of like even with me on my university course that I'm doing. There's like 60, 70 people on there, and then there's like three Asian people. And I'm just like one of them. So I'm just like, this is mad. So every time, like when there's a lecture or a seminar, I'll always be trying to get my voice heard and like learn different things. Cause it's just, it's just so nice in a way, because in a way everyone knows you because you kind of stand out because of the color of your skin, but in a bad way, you're just there thinking like yourself, that there needs to be more of us needs to be more developing and there needs to be more kind of breaking the stigma. But it's like you said before, just baby steps. One step at a time, we'll see what happens in the near future. And hopefully there'll be, more representation for us to enjoy and appreciate which would be pretty yeah good. yeah yeah of course like with people like ourselves 100 if younger people can look at us and think yeah i can do that then because do you know what it was there's a there's a coach from blackburn as well it's from, from blackburn or from preston i right. forgot his name but basically he was coaching with belgium at the euros this summer as well which is mad so he was <laughs> like it was like a an asian guy from uh, from Blackburn or Preston so I was like this, this is really cool because you're just there uh, thinking like you don't see many people like a brown guy with a beard um, on television in football yeah. at all so I was like yeah. this, is, this is really cool as well and you'll yeah, see really some players cool. coming through the academies at like Tottenham and Man United and um, I can't lie I, di- I didn't know you were Asian when, when I was talking to you before but now I do so a lot spent... of people don't except for my last name a lot of people don't yeah when I read it I was like should I ask? Should I not ask? We're recording. It's live. I don't want to be rude, but you kind of spelled it out for me by saying your, um, your dad spoke this right. So I was like, yes, secured it, which is good, which is really good. 
Um, but no, the more the merrier, I say. And it can only benefit football and football fans all across the country because we've seen it from other ethnic by, uh, backgrounds and minorities. And it only just builds from there as well, which will be, yeah. be pretty good to see. Yeah, of course. Oh, right then, Millie. I think we're at the end of the podcast. If you have mm-hmm. anything you want to promote or tell our listeners about, please do. And then I'll sign off the podcast. But how has it been for you so far this season? And you're looking forward to... When does your season end, by the way? Is it May as well? Or is it early? May, yeah. May. That's good. Yeah. So where, where can we find you and where can our listeners um, hear more from you, um, Millie? Yeah, uh, so I have my Instagram, uh, The Mad Mentor. Um, and that's it, really. Like, if you want to know more about it, go and follow that. Um, just really trying to push the kind of mental side, the mental performance. If you're interested, if anyone's interested in, like, performance enhancement, whether it be physical or mental, that's what I'm really trying to push and playing at a level, a high level currently in this moment. I don't think there's many people that currently play and do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm really, in, I kind of know what it's like in the moment. Do you know what I mean? So Definitely. if anyone's ever interested in it, drop me a message. Like, I don't mind. Yeah, it needs to be done. I'll put your details in the podcast description and I'll put it on our Instagram page when, when the, when the episode releases, which is good. Um, can I get a signed shirt from you? Get a signed yeah, yeah, shirt or something, which yeah, would be good. Of course. That needs to be done. It will be quite fun to see um, how you do for the rest of the season. It's been great to talk to you, Millie. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. And this has been um, our last recorded episode before the Christmas breaks. So I'm looking forward to a nice little... Do you break for Christmas as well, Millie? Or do you still yeah, play over... That's no, good. we break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unlike the the men's side, when they break, they break for like two, three years, and then they're like, "Oh no, we've got to play all the games again." It's just like <laughs> waste of time for that. Players need a break every now and then, which is good. But no, we're going on a break. We're going to relax. Everyone, thanks for listening. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>